For your mission, should you choose to embrace it, is to do the work that has been given you to do. The work of bringing the healing, life-changing love of Jesus to the people God has you living and working with. And that mission from Jesus means where you work right now is part of your mission. Whether you realize it or not, God is using you to look after and care for this world of ours. What you do, where you work, it's incredibly important. Okay, over the last few weeks, I've, been, I've given you a couple of homework assignments that meant spending time alone with God, working through. Last week, I gave you four questions as you sought God to help you understand your life mission. Four questions like, number one, what will be the center of my life? Two, what will be the character of my life? Three, what will be the contribution of my life? And four, what will be your life message? And I asked you to give those four questions, uh, work at them to help you write out your life mission. And I know some of you are finding this homework assignment a bit hard. I got a little feedback about that, but it really is a powerful thing to do. And, and if you haven't done that yet, I strongly encourage you to take an hour or so to do that. Find some time alone with Jesus. But today, what I want to do is I want to clearly link where you work with God's call on your life. I want to talk about the awesome power of work. I mean, the awesome power uh, of your work. And uh, uh, sometimes you're interested in knowing where I get my crazy ideas from. Uh, a book that I used to help put this together was Tim Co Keller's book called um, Every Great Endeavor. And uh, awesome book, anyways, if you like reading uh, theology on work. Uh, I'll make it a little less theological, though. Anyways, right now, as the price of oil climbs... Work in Fort McMurray here is starting to buzz a little more. Maybe you've noticed that. And flights into Fort McMurray are starting to look, at least I assume they're starting to look a bit more like they did a few years back. I've always loved being on those flights with a lot of people coming into Fort McMurray for work. Uh, usually it's a few more men than women. And I, and I remember one flight uh, a couple of years back where I was struck by the Fort McMurray stereotype. Sometimes I call this person Fort McMurray Mike or Kim. And all of these Mike and Kims crammed into this WestJet 737 from Calgary. And I kind of laughed and went, these are my people. This is so awesome. I, I just love the men and women who live in this city. So on that flight, what did I see? Well, I'll admit, I did see a little more beer being consumed than on flights that I'd just been on in other parts of the country. It, it did make the flight noticeably a little louder than some others, but a little more fun, too. No one was out of control. And, and despite the beer being consumed, this was also an obviously gym-using crowd. Most of these guys and gals were in good shape. Most, not all, all right. But what really struck me, uh, and this was a couple of years back, was what so many of the guys were watching on the screens. A pile of them were watching, like a whole pile of them were watching Yukon Men. Now, this was a couple of years ago, and I think it was 2019 when Yukon Men, that was the last year. I haven't flown uh, since the pandemic started, but I'm looking forward in a couple of weeks to a flight from uh, Calgary back to Fort McMurray. And uh, I think I'm going to be checking on what the folk are watching now. I mean, Highway Through Hell is still on, so was Mountain Men. I, I don't think Meat Eater is politically correct enough to get onto an Air Canada flight, but uh, yeah, and, and, and Yellowstone isn't family-friendly, so I'll have to see what's actually on in, in a couple of weeks. And if you know me, all this stuff kind of jazzes me, and I just love the people who live and work here, and every time I'm on a flight home to Fort McMurray, every time I travel through this city or go shopping or go out for dinner, and as many of you know, every Friday night, Jane and I head out to a 
pub or a restaurant for date night, maybe catch some entertainment at Patty's or East Village. Every time I'm out and about in this city or flying into this city, I see some incredible men and women who play either a direct role or a support role in an amazing and, yeah, I, I understand, somewhat controversial industry of, well, what, what is it, of locating, mining, pumping, upgrading, distributing bitumen to be turned into oil products to be used for what? Like cars, trucks, ho aircrafts, homes, household products, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And when it reaches minus 39 out plus wind chill as it did this week, I am more than thankful for the oil and gas industry. So was most of Canada, if, if we're really honest. And beyond that, I see men and women playing a role developing a, a strong economy, not only in Alberta, but throughout Canada, even impacting the economies of the U.S., China, and the world. And I see one more very important thing. I see women and men who are actually participating in how God keeps the world going by working here in Fort McMurray. There's not a, a man or a woman working in this city who is not in some way a part of what God is doing in caring for and, and making this world work. So when I first moved here, like almost 10 years ago, a lot of people, you, you know the story, came here with a two or five year plan. Often it got a little longer than that, but... You know, they came in to make money, get out, and, and then while we're here, we live for time off, we, we live for the vacation south, or we get out on the quad, catch a few fish, or get to the gym, or spend some time with family. For so many of us, work is just a necessary evil that you have to put up with, that real life, real living is what happens after work. Work is just a means uh, to get the money necessary to enjoy yourself during your leisure hours. And what I want to do today is challenge that a bit and help you to see your work as a part of God's calling on your life, your work as a part of God's mission on your life, that what you do is every bit as important in God's eyes as anything I do as a pastor, that what you do is every bit as important to God as what any political leader or company president does, every bit as important. What I also want you to see is, if you are a Christ follower, the work you do not only makes a difference in the world, but God has a purpose for you beyond that, that you are God's chosen connection between himself and the people that you work with. You are God's connection to people who desperately need to be loved and transformed by Jesus. But the first major idea that I want you to latch on to today, this one, number one, you and the people you work with are doing God's work in the world. That you and the people you work with are all part of how God cares for, sustains, and causes this world to flourish. Whether your coworkers know this or not, they are part of how God makes this world work. And, and what makes this thought particularly powerful is it, it has huge implications for how you view your coworkers. It means that guy who really annoys you at work, he may not know it, she may not know it, but ultimately they are working for God. They are part of how God cares for and, and keeps this world going. Let me push this a little bit. So not only do you as a Christ follower ultimately work for the big boss, so does your cussing co-worker who was boasting about his sexual exploits after a binge drinking at somebody's party who thinks you're a wimp for going to church and makes life on the job pretty miserable for you. 
Yeah, as much as you think he's a jerk, he's still bearing the image of God to some extent or another, and he's still part of God's sovereign plan to care for this world. And more importantly, and, and I'll talk about this in a minute, God has chosen you to be light and salt that causes your coworker to, to yearn, to actually yearn to connect personally and eternally with the creator who is just crazy in love with him. You are his, you are her connection to God. That coworker of yours is your mission. So yeah, where you work, you work there for a reason. And you're with that jerk for a reason, just letting you know, okay? And they're writers of the Bible. They want us to know that our God is pro-work. God is so pro-work that you see work in the Bible right from the very beginning of time. And then in the end, come eternity, come heaven, there's work. Yeah, and you thought heaven would be just one big vacation. But think about it. An eternal, never-ending vacation would eventually turn into hell. Because our lives must have meaning. We, we have to do something. That's true now, and that will be true in eternity. Work is a good thing. Take a look at this picture of God at work from the first book of the Bible. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. And then look at this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. For those of you who remember that very old country song, Take This Job and Shove It, I don't mean to disappoint you, but work is God's idea right from the very beginning. God is into work. He, he made this world and the entire universe. He, he worked to make this universe and the planet that we live in. He worked for the sheer joy of it. God finds what he did good and beautiful. And then one of the things God does after he creates the first people, Adam and Eve, is he calls Adam and Eve to get to work in paradise. In the beginning, this world was perfect, absolutely perfect. And in a perfect world, there was work. And as I mentioned, at the end of the Bible, there is work. Listen to how the Apostle John describes the new heavens and the new earth when Christ returns. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. That's work. That's what, and we'll love to do it. Now, I don't have time to get into the theology of the curse, but when sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, that, that brought a curse into the world that makes work hard, that makes life hard. But come eternity, when the curse is gone, work will be pure joy. Our, our sense of fulfillment from work will be beyond anything we've experienced in our lives right now. But hey, not only did God work in creating this planet, this universe, this cosmos we're a part of, but God continues to work sustaining this world. And one of the ways God works is through every single human being like you. The writer of the 104th Psalm describes our God at work. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. I'll just throw this in there, but wine producers and beer brewers also work for God. 
just like those who grow crops and bake bread. I mean, my Sunday school teacher neglected to tell me that, but I didn't make it up. It's there in God's word. And, and while Psalm 104 doesn't list oil sands workers specifically, this is also true for oil sands workers and all who live in this city. We all work for God. We all work for God whether we understand that's what we're doing or not. And that means God is ultimately your boss. So you might think about what it means that God is your ultimate boss, okay? Hey, right from the beginning, God called men and women to work. That's all men and all women across all time. We're commanded in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Friends, that's work. Right from the beginning, we were given the job to fill the earth and subdue it. The idea here being that this planet of ours was underdeveloped or undeveloped. And God left it to us to take the resources of our planet, including oil, and use them to unlock the full potential of the planet for our, you know, our sustenance and our enjoyment. And we do it all through work. We were given the task to unlock the full potential of the creation for the good of all people across all ages. And so we read in the book of Genesis, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So are you getting the idea that your work is God's work through you? That you are God's instrument to help make this world work and flourish? That what you do here in Fort McMurray matters because it is important to God. That your work here in Fort McMurray is one way that God cares for our planet. That your work is part of your life mission. So you are part of how God keeps this world going and flourishing. You are part of how God cares for this world. But more than that, because you are a Christ follower, you have a calling on your life that only you can do. And this is absolutely huge. You and me. We have the awesome privilege of helping people all around us, the people we work with, to see Jesus and connect with his life-transforming love. Jesus put it this way, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and, and glorify your Father in heaven. So what, what, what does salt do? Well, just a little bit of salt changes the flavor of the place for the better. Friends, that's you. You're that little bit of salt that changes the flavor of where you work for the better. What does light do? Light dispels darkness. It, it takes away fear. God calls you to be light. When people are struggling, uh, when they feel dark, when, when things are not working out for them, you bring light. How do you do that? Well, by your deeds by your acts of compassion and service, by your love, by, by what you do and who you are. As I said last week, how you were salt and, and light, uh, how you act as a bridge to people where you work to Jesus, how you bridge them to Jesus, depends on the gifts and the wiring uh, that you have, that God's given you. I mean, some of you have huge amounts of mercy, and you will respond with huge amounts of compassion, tangible acts of love, showing authentic concern for the needs of others. Some of you have the gift of evangelism, and you will share Jesus maybe more with words. Uh, others of you will be inviters to what happens here at Fort City uh, every Sunday or during the week. Some of you have the gift of encouragement, and your words and your actions will simply be powerful and, and encouraging. 
Friends, every person you and I work with is made in the image of God. And because of that, they deserve to be treated with honor and love, whether or not I agree with their values, their morality, their language, their views on the truckers' protest. You get the idea. And that means I must serve them. That means I must love them, love them better than myself. That means I want to create the best environment possible for those who work around me. When people ask, hey, why are you doing what you're doing? Why, why do you work so hard? Uh, why do you go the extra mile? What do you say? Well, gently, with humility, you say, well, this is what my Christian faith teaches me to do. And, and, and with God's help, I, I'm trying to live a positive life in a messed up world. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm on a journey. But when I serve and help other people, uh, I experience God's pleasure. Can you do that? Sure you can. Don't get too preachy. Just be willing to tell a bit of your story. And maybe pray silently at the same time and see what God's up to. If the opportunity opens up, invite them to a church service or a special event. Uh, hopefully we'll have the car show in June. And heck. Don't worry about what you don't know. If you get asked a question that you can't answer, just say, I don't know. I'll see if I can find out. Just be natural. Be who you are because you are someone who Christ lives in. Someone who Christ is changing from the inside out. Someone who is becoming more and more like Jesus. You are someone who is learning to love in ways uh, that are powerful in the eyes of those who just don't know Jesus yet, right? Friends, this is who you are. A, a sin-wrecked person whose sin has been forgiven, whose life has been invaded by the Holy Spirit, whose life is changing from the inside out. That's you. And wherever you are and wherever you work, you're salt and you're light, acting as a loving bridge, helping people far from Christ to connect with him personally. Hey, you have the greatest job in the world. Really, you do. You are part of a team of people making this world a, a great place to live. But, but even more than that, you personally are salt and light to that team. And, and for however long God has you at that job, uh, that is your calling. That is your life mission. And, but if your job changes, your, your calling actually remains the same. But just know that God has you where you are right now as part of his mandate to serve this world and he has called you to be a, a loving bridge between the people you work with and, and our God who's just crazy in love with them. In a city like Fort McMurray where the nations are coming to our city, we are one of the most ethnically diverse cities in Canada and where our city has a lot of young adults and young families and kids who have their whole lives before them. Like, wow, what an amazing city of opportunity we live and work in. This city and where you work is your mission field. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Let me pray for you, and really you can pray this with me, as, and then we'll respond to this message through communion worship. Let's pray. Father God, I get it. Just tell him, you get it. You have me here in Fort McMurray on purpose. You have me at Fort City on purpose. And you have a mission for me where I work uh, in this city. Thank you that my work matters. Thank you that through my work I am serving you to make this world work, to, to make this world a better place. Today, I, I make a commitment to be a bridge between the people I work with and your love. I, I will compassionately serve those I work with. I, I will esteem them better than myself. They all matter to you. They, they matter to me. 
And when the opportunity comes, not only will I show tangible love to those I work with, I will share words. Help me, God, to share words when appropriate. I will invite people to where I, I worship and give me the courage to do that. I will tell parts of my story that will help others see your awesome love at work in my life. Thank you for the employment I have. Help me to be your representative where I work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're, we're going to move into a time of worship uh, around communion. The Christian message centers around the cross, that God so loved us that he made a way for us to have our sins forgiven and enter into a life-changing, forever relationship with the God of the universe. It's pretty cool. This is our message. God loves us. God is for us. God has made a way for us to live now and forever. And it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so we spend this time in worship through communion that celebrates the death of Jesus for us. Here's how the Apostle Paul describes the bread and the juice that you see up here. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So right now, the invitation to you is to come and worship by taking the elements that are up front here and then take some time to reflect on the meaning of the bread and the juice. You can do that up here or to the side or take them back to the seat. Just don't rush this. Make this time a, a time of, make it a sacred moment. And then peel the upper covering over the bread and take the bread and eat it, remembering the body of Jesus that was nailed to the cross. Then peel the covering over the juice and drink it, remembering the blood of Jesus. And remember, our healing, our wholeness is made possible by Jesus' death. So our prayer team will be up here and they will pray for you. Uh, whatever is on your heart, uh, whatever need is gripping you, please take the time to go to our prayer team with your prayer requests. Let's pray one more time, and then when you're ready, you can come and make your way up for, uh, for communion. And by the way, as you come forward, you are publicly declaring that you are a follower of Jesus, that your desire is to live for him and to bring glory to him, and to be that bridge between God and the people you are living and working with. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for making a way for me to experience a flourishing, whole, abundant life now and life with you in glory forever. Thank you for dying in my place, paying the penalty that I owe for the forgiveness of my sins and because of the cross, delivering me from the impact that sin has on my life. As I come forward, I declare that I will follow Jesus and I will serve as a bridge between him and those I live and work with. I make this commitment and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So please, come forward and worship through communion and then allow our prayer team to pray for you.